Hey everybody, it's Rob Liefeld. Welcome to Observations. I am so excited about today's episode. I cannot even begin to tell you how excited I am because it is about one of my favorite uh, subjects. Y yes, I, I love comic books, but man, do I love my toys. And I know that you all love your toys because before I knew of comic stores, I knew of toy stores. Toy stores have been everywhere in my life and toy departments. You know, if there wasn't a toy store, there was a toy department and man, I was getting my toys on. I hope you were getting your toys on. I think we're all still getting our toys on, okay? Even, even in the conditions that we're presently in, people are still finding ways to play with toys. And what is more uh, Christmassy, holiday, uh, subject-y than toys? Because come on, it, it's Christmas right around the corner. And, uh, and, and toys are just, I'm surrounded by them. I've been fortunate enough to... Uh, have been in the world of toys almost as long as the world of comics because I was fortunate to watch so many of my wonderful uh, characters and creations get transformed into plastic. And there's just a next level uh, experience that comes with that when you see something that started on your page uh, transformed into like 3D plastic, especially the better sculpted uh, you know, the more impressive and the packaging has gotten so amazing over the years. But in my, in my opinion, the packaging has always been amazing. Because like I said, man, I have loved my toys forever. And, and speaking of my characters, my creations coming to life as toys, I just want to kick off by the first week in January, we are going to do a five-part series called The Making of Deadpool. The Making of Deadpool. From the page uh, to your hands, to the spinner rack, to comic stores, to toy shelves to video game consoles, to mobile games, to two blockbuster movies, a third one on the way, the making of Deadpool. I'm going to just open my head and let it all pour, pour out to you. I am the day one Deadpool dude. I was there. I am one of the only guy who was there day one, and I am happy to share the making of Deadpool starting the first week of uh, January. We're going to kick off 2021 with this five-part series. I'm just going to open it all up and, and, and tell you all that I know and have experienced having been there since day one, but toys is what we are talking about today and specifically Todd McFarlane, who in my opinion, transformed the world of toys as we know it uh, some some 25 years back, just in, in, in an amazing fashion, just completely turned the world of toys on its head, G gave us uh, a next level of toy sculpting, toy articulation, and you are just going to um, relive this through 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 my lens because I was there I was there when Todd Toys Todd Toys McFarland Toys it was originally called Todd Toys was born but uh, as I said as a kid um, at, around the same time I was loving comics you know the, the toys were just so important I was that guy that that was reached by Saturday morning television by everyday morning television the cartoons that were existed it seemed like just to show what toy I couldn't have in my face I couldn't possibly collect all the GI Joe figures that I wanted I couldn't possibly collect all the big Jim action figures big Jim was like Mattel's answer to GI Joe and there was all sorts of they made a they made a wolf pack he had the wolf pack which was his uh, group of kind of super operative agents. So much fun. But G.I. Joe was my, my the Kung Fu grip, the eagle eye, all those G.I. Joe characters. I've had such a good time. I've been able to actually bring so many of those toys that I haven't seen or played with in years into the pages of my G.I. Joe series that I've been putting out um, this, last, this last few months. Snake Eyes, Dead Game, 
has seen all sorts of uh, Mike Power, the Atomic Man. I had people go, where are you getting these characters from? They're not part of G.I. Joe. Oh, Joe. I said, oh, oh no, they are part of G.I. Joe. They are part of the G.I. Joe that existed before the real American hero G.I. Joe. But uh, obviously the Eagle Eye, uh, uh, Kung Fu Grip, G.I. Joe, Bullet Man, Mike Power, the Atomic Man. I mean, all these, it's so much fun putting these characters into uh, Snake Eyes and having them interact with the what you guys all know as the modern day uh, Snake Eyes and G.I. Joe action figures, which have gotten this giant toy relaunch in 2020. Brand new kick-ass versions of Snake Eyes, Destro, Scarlet, uh, uh, Storm Shadow have all um, stormed onto the toy shelves. And again, the reason they look so good is because of Mr. Todd McFarlane and the vision that he applied to the toy industry when it was kind of floundering, in my opinion. Uh, nowhere near where it would go under his influence. I, I literally, you, you will you will literally understand the admiration I have for this man and what he did in the world of toys over these next uh, 40 plus minutes that we share together. So, but, but, but whether it was the uh, toy department at Gemco or the treasury, these are two like target or Walmarts before Target or, Target or Walmarts here in Southern California, whatever name you guys had, they were that kind of a store, what, what, what we call now a big box store, a little bit of everything. Uh, the toy departments were just amazing. And that's when I would see the big gyms and I would see the uh, the, the, the G.I. Joes and I would see uh, eventually, obviously, Star Wars and, and the Shogun Warriors and Godzilla toys. And uh, what, are, what are the other, some of my, my favorite toys of my youth? The Micronauts, the freaking Micronauts, one of the greatest toy lines of all space and all time. And I consume them. Um, I would mow lawns like crazy. Who, who among you was, was, was mowing lawns? I didn't deliver papers, but man, I would law a mean... I would mow a mean lawn and get that weed whacker out for that extra extra bonus tip from the house. Um, and, and this is the money that I would be able to finance my comic book and toy dreams. But toys were always something that I absolutely loved. Again, getting that box, opening that box, getting that figure out. You know, like I've covered it before. My dad, God bless him, wonderful, wonderful, beautiful man. But uh, he, he, he was not used to his son playing with dolls. And that's what he called him. I've, told, I've covered this before. Dolls, okay? They were Barbie-sized dolls. And to him, he's like, what are you doing with these dolls? Oh, you guys, also, the Mego line of superheroes, Star Trek, and Planet of the Apes. Dolls, okay? Those were, I think, 10-inch. Were they 10 inches? Maybe 12. But, man, they had Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, Hulk, Thing, uh, you know, um, Robin. Uh, they even had Conan. They had Tarzan. I, I had them all. Toys were the biggest deal to me. So that's, I, I love uh, interacting and playing with a, a good toy. Right now, to my uh, left on my shelf is a Venom toy. So, okay, I have nothing to do with Venom. I'm just a fan. The tongue is sticking out. Um, this, is, this is the t Venom that the Todd McFarlane uh, created, Marvel character Venom. Uh, great toy that they put out a couple years ago. I dig it. Um, most importantly, I keep all the action figures that I still have in two giant plastic bins. And I have two um, really funny, cute, adorable nephews named Levi and Milo. And Levi especially, I see it in his eyes, the gleam in his eyes when he comes over since he was about six or seven and he goes, oh, can we can we play with uh, with your toys, Uncle Rock? I, I, uh, I, I, you have now 
heard a family secret. My, my nephews call me Uncle Rock. So Uncle Rock, <laughs> Uncle Rock goes and gets the bins. And man, then we have drafts, just like you have an NBA or an NFL draft, and we get those toys. And I mean, these action figures of the last 15 and 20 years, the articulation, the modeling, the sculpting, um, this is superstar level, like, 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 these are like little mini statues, little mini statues. They're amazing looking. And, and of course I'm talking about the stuff that, um, that of course Hasbro is putting out, um, you know, that used to be produced by Toy Biz, but then Hasbro obviously with their Marvel master license took over and the sculpting is still of the highest possible level. And, and they kind of rule the toy aisle when I go to the, to the, um, to the target because you got the Star Wars because we're going to talk about pegs. I'm going to teach you about pegs. I got taught about pegs. Pegs. Exactly. The silver pegs that your toys hang on that you pull them off. Whether it's Luke Skywalker, Boba Fett, Venom, Deadpool, Cable, uh, Captain Kirk, you know, Spock, uh, or, 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 or Optimus Prime. They're all hanging on those pegs, right? Well, you can judge an entire aisle. Sometimes I go, and this is what I do. You, you're like, wow, Liefeld, you're, you're deep diving on this. Look, man, this is what I do. I love to go to Target, and I look at an entire aisle. So there's the entire aisle, y'all. You all know the action figure aisle. In, in most Targets right now, an action figure aisle occupies two, two sides of one aisle. And for the longest time, Hasbro co-opted one entire aisle. You had four pegs up and down of Star Wars, four pegs up and down of G.I. Joe, four pegs, maybe maybe five pegs of, of Marvel, okay? Just Star Wars, G.I. Joe, and Marvel alone like is the touchdowns for for, for Hasbro. I mean, they're, they're, they just own that space, right? Um, they, they, they just have so much uh, of the real estate that they that they dominate. And I was taught about pegs by Mr. Todd McFarlane, but I'm, gonna get, I'm getting ahead of myself. But I love to go to the to the store and see which which um which which toys are dominating right now. Uh, so there was a Josh Brolin cable figure in Deadpool number two. And whether you saw it or you didn't, you probably saw a trailer or a commercial for it. And you saw that Josh Brolin, um, one of the greatest actors of our time of all time. Of, I mean, we are going to all watch him get some special. If he doesn't win an Academy Award outright, he's going to get one of those career achievements because he's so amazing. He became Cable, and. Until Disney bought Fox a couple years ago, they were doing no movie tie-in figures. Well, they finally did movie tie-in figures so that you could get a Hugh Jackman Wolverine, right? Or a James McAvoy or Patrick Stewart uh, Professor X. And, and of course, you, you're, you're getting a Josh Brolin cable. That was exclusive to Walmart. Exclusive to Walmart. I ordered them online like so many of you. I always get comps, but my comps... My comps from Hasbro and Marvel come six months later. I, like I and, and I'm like you, and like you, I want it now. I want it now. So so I was going to Walmart. I haven't been to Walmart in years, but I would get my mask on and go to Walmart and and breathe through my Darth Vader, you know, pandemic mask, um, to go in and check the um, stock at. Walmart and for a few a first a first few weeks there was nothing because again this is a Walmart exclusive I cannot go to Target I cannot go anywhere my online order is is not the status is it's not shipping for like another month but I need my Josh Brolin cable okay but this is when I started paying attention to the pegs all again all, all over again and at the top of the aisle so right when I turned to the action figure aisle McFarlane toys with his DC um, uh, action figures because he got the, the DC license two years ago. So some Batman and some Wonder Woman toys are all there. The, the pegs are full. Then there's this six, 
six pegs, six. And when I say pegs, I mean, so, so, you know, three or four pegs up and then another three or four pegs out. So six pegs across and whether that's three or four pegs up each, you know, section, it's a giant. I mean, we're talking seven foot, eight foot spread of no figures whatsoever. But you guys, you look at the sticker, right? You go and you go, oh, what am I seeing? I put my glasses on. Okay. This is the GI Joe pegs, pegs. That's Hasbro. Okay. GI Joe pegs, empty. Oh, here it is. Deadpool, Deadpool movie toys, cable, empty. Uh, Deadpool series three with the pirate Deadpool and the blue Deadpool. Those are gone. Spider-Man, Spider-Man. He takes up a bunch of pegs gone. Okay. Then, uh, so, so, so my GI Joe and, and, and my Marvel are all gone. And, and, uh, the star Wars toys are also gone. And I'm like, man, it's the, it's the return of the flippers. And you know what I'm talking about? Those guys that show up and they, and they have, uh, I've even been told now by my buddy, there's apps that tell you what the stock is in the back of the store and what time they are going to put it on the shelves. And they are there to clean you out. Cause I just so happened to go to one of the comic book and collectible shops, stores, this big kind of flea market. Of course, I go that weekend and this guy's got all the cables and he's asking enormous prices for them. And he, of course, he gets the gleam in his eye because he sees Liefeld is going to pay whatever I ask for a cable. I'm, I'm going to ask 50 bucks for this, this $20 figure, okay? And yeah, I paid it. Okay, I'm going to full confession. Of course I did. I had to have Josh. I had to have my Josh piece of plastic. Um, just so you know, how th those those were out like two months ago. My my shipment of online orders from Walmart came last week. Okay, so so like I'm telling you, it was more than a month. I would have waited two months, uh, and I couldn't live without my Josh Brolin cable. I created the character. Josh played him. I want that figure. I've ever there. I have every other cable figure ever known to man. So I am going to these WalMarts, and I'm seeing these empty pegs. And the reason they're empty is because the dude that's going to charge you 40 or 50 has gotten there way before you with his wife and his kids and they've cleaned it out because when I go and buy and and, and, and I, I go up with 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 three cables and the lady at the Walmart checkout goes ah early Christmas gifts this is like you gotta understand this is like end of September I said no ma'am um the, I, I created this character and, and don't please don't give me a hard time I'm not a flipper these are for me sure and then I said okay when I leave you google me and you'll see that I'm the guy who just told you the truth. I didn't lie to you. I, this is my character and I really appreciate it. And that's why I'm, I'm buying three. I know it seems excessive, but whatever. And I'm like, come on, lady. You're clearly selling 30 of these at a time to, to, to certain people. I mean, they're, that she, again, she was giving me the early Christmas gifts because, of course, three, is, I guess, is somehow suspect. But at least there was no limit on this. Now, what does that have, this have to do with McFarland Toys? Well, it's because... That level of articulation and sculpting that is only a Walmart exclusive, that's the only place you get it, that started with the movement from Todd McFarlane and his incredible revolution in the toy industry, okay? Prior to Todd, toys didn't look like that. You couldn't get a Josh Brolin that looked just like Josh Brolin walked off the stage. I mean, you go back and look at some of those likenesses. I mean, Mego had a couple good ones. The William Shatner, Captain Kirk, and the Leonard Nimoy Spock. Those were pretty spot on. Those were pretty spot on. But... You know, likenesses are a tricky thing, and the and 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 the uh, and the applications, the the uh, articulation articulation. For those of you who go, what's what does that mean? That's how many does your wrist move on the action figure? Do the fingers move? Okay, do the elbows move, or is it stiff arm? You remember the original Star Wars figures, Luke and Ben and Darth Vader. You wanted to fight, you had to extend that stiff arm. Those arms weren't bending, and if you did, you'd snap them. Okay, um, everybody had just. The, the, basically five points of articulation, the head, the two arms, 
and the legs. That's five points of articulation. Some of them didn't even move their waist. That would be six points of articulation. I'm telling you, Todd introduced the 10, 12 more levels of articulation and a level of sculpting and paint detail that was not there before. So Todd is going to get into the uh, toy business. And, and the other thing that I have to preface you with is right after we started Image Comics, I went to uh, meet with the executives at both Hasbro and Mattel. Hasbro, they just met me in LA in an office building because they flew out. They're not located here. Mattel is located in Southern California. It's actually located in El Segundo. That's not a secret. You can see that if you, you know, look up Mattel. Now, you're not going to be able to get in the doors, right? Because there's guards there. But I went to Mattel in 1993 because they wanted to get in on this Image Comics heat. And, if, and yes, this does play directly into um, why I did my toys with Todd McFarlane. Um, so, so that's why I'm giving you my Mattel uh, backstory. So again, I'm 25, 26, and I am driving to go meet with Mattel. Uh, my my uh, couple of guys from the office are with me. And we have to sign in and wait in this nice waiting room. But it's this big, big, giant, you know, a series of giant buildings and offices. But when they finally go to clear you, I don't know if you've ever seen, I'm going to date myself here, but some of you, if you have seen the original series, the original television series of Get Smart, the original uh, credits, opening credits of Get Smart had agent, our, our secret agent, going through uh, silver door after silver door that would part and, you know, at the end, the one smashes on his nose and it's like, oh, he hurt himself. But he keeps getting clearance and the silver doors part and he gets a little further down the hall and the silver doors part. And let me tell you something. That is Mattel. They, they go, they swipe the card. You get the clearance. The silver doors open. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, we're going into the CIA or wherever the secret agency, you know, the, with Agent 99 and, 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 and Maxwell Smart. I mean, I, I couldn't believe. This is like next level security and secrecy and barriers. And so then they swipe it again. And the silver doors part, okay? I don't even, I, I have not been back since. I, I made two trips there, like 93, 94, 95. Definitely the first one was in 93. Then I don't know if the next one was in 94, 95. But again, the silver doors, the clearance, the swiping of the cards. And then you, you, you get in and it's like this three-story, like, like, the ceiling has been burrowed out. You're in this giant facility, tons of bullpens, and then there's some elevated offices on platforms. There's meeting rooms. There's sculptors. There's, it's just, you are in the Willy Wonka of toys, okay? This isn't candy they're serving you. This is, they are, look, Mattel has got Barbie, okay? It's a Barbie girl living in a Barbie world, all right? So, I mean, you are, I think they had the Disney license at the time too, so there's a lot of Disney, Toy Story stuff being made, being prepared, um, Aladdin, whatever was the, the cool thing that was out. And I mean, you guys, I was blown away. I, I It was next level clearance. I signed my life away to get in there. So did the guys that were with me. And uh, we eventually made ourselves to like a, on one of those elevated platforms that kind of was a couple feet off the ground uh, that overlooked the rest of the toy uh, kiosks and all the different uh, like... Uh, little um, uh, sectionals, just like in the office. I mean, but these people, instead of doing office assignments, they're, they're making your toys. They're, they're tooling toys. They're, they're making electronics. They're seeing, you know, putting wheels on cars and action figures and sculpt. It's amazing, mind-blowing. I was in another world and, and I was there as the result of comic books. I, I couldn't believe it. I was there as the result 
of comic books because they wanted to make a line of toys based on the Youngblood comic book series that I had. So I sat down and they're, they're talking about toys and manufacturing and sales and distribution and I'm loving it all. And then they reach below the desk and they lift up a box and they have they open the box and it has no paint, but it is an all gray uh, sculpted action figure of my character Chapel from Youngblood. And I'm like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, there is an action figure in front of me based on my character, what? Now the X-Force uh, line of toys had already hit and were on their second wave and were a giant success. So you're getting uh, two cable figures, Shatterstar, Kane, Strife, Warpath. You're getting Deadpool, two Deadpool action figures, Domino. Um, they had been a huge success. They were part of the second wave of X-Men figures and the X-Force figures. Uh, again, I've told you guys, the head of uh, Toy Biz and the, and the head of Marvel Animation was a guy named Avi Arad who would also go on to, to make many of the early Marvel films, whether it was X-Men in 2000 or the Sam Raimi Spider-Mans, Avi Arad's name is on there, and he would tell me, I like you. You, you are very toyetic. I like you understand software and hardware. He's, uh, I think he's Israeli, from Israel, uh, had, had this awesome just accent, beard, just a badass. I mean, uh, sometimes you'd be like, is he going to wave his hand? Is the guy behind me going to kill me? Like he was powerful and had kind of a sinister edge to him. But he's like, I like you. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. I, I like you. You you make hardware and software. And I've covered another podcast that I took that eventually to mean you make the heroes with the gear. The hero is the software and the gear is all the guns and swords that all my characters lent themselves to. Again, um, what's better than a sword? With one blade is a sword. With two blades, that was my motto. That's where you got Shatterstar from. Headgear, shoulder pads, pouches, guns, knives, uh, pistols, bigger guns, bigger knives, bigger pistols. That was my claim to fame. I put them all together on all these characters and they made wonderful, awesome selling toys. So now I'm in Mattel and they're giving me chapel a chapel action figure and it was more in line with the proportions and the um the size of a he-man toy because they were doing the he-man toys but uh and, and and you gotta remember hasbro and mattel uh were both being challenged in the toy marketplace especially the boys marketplace by a company called playmates which got the teenage mutant ninja turtles license and playmates had really made a great uh ha had really made a great impression and were selling tons and tons of their turtle line that turtle line blew up and launched and became the top of the of the line pushing back he-man and uh, gi joe and all the other contenders so playmates was a big giant contender and mattel was looking to um, advance themselves in the world of boys toys so that we talk and and they've got me now hoo, hoo, hoo. i'm 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 completely enthralled they've actually handed me an action figure of a young boy character named chapel he's got a gun he's got his skull on again it's, there's no paint job but i agree that we will start going down the line of doing uh, a line of toys they want to sign me to a big deal and do a bunch of toys so okay we started talking and eventually we would find ourselves the hasbro the, the mattel people would come up to my attorney's offices in beverly hills i had the best best uh attorney of all space and time he's he's a legend and 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 he uh, he put together all of the deals for uh, 
for Arnold Schwarzenegger and for Bruce Willis and for Sylvester Stallone. And without him, there is no uh, uh, Planet Hollywood. There is um, all those big deals. He would brag how much how he got uh, how he got um, Demi Moore her biggest payday uh, ever uh, in the, in the history. Uh, of her career for I, I I don't I forget what what movie it was but he was a big time big time deal and his name was Jake Bloom Jake Bloom Bloom Herzog was the was the uh, was the was the, the the firm that that was representing me at the time and Jake would wear a giant oversized kind of nylony shirt with baggy pants and flip flops and this long Jesus beard and he was a hippie and he would tell you he's a hippie and and he. Uh, sat down across from the Mattel people in his giant, uh, his giant um, um, meeting room in Beverly Hills, and you got to understand, representing all the big action stars: the Schwarzenegger, the Stallone, the Bruce Willis. This guy, Jake, had he 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 was a force to be reckoned with. Okay, this this guy had he had not only did he have knowledge, okay, he had he had power in Hollywood, and 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 he didn't mind reminding, he didn't mind for one minute flexing and letting you know all the power that he wielded. So Mattel comes in and this time they open up and they have made me a profit action figure and a shaft action figure to go with the chapel. Now I want to paint a picture with you of now a 26 year old man, me, who is now just completely reverted to the sandbox at on this giant marble table. I've now been given three individual boxes. They've been opened up. I now see that that's John Prophet, Chapel and Shaft. Two Youngblood members and my John Prophet character, and I am holding them in my hands, and 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 Jake practically slaps me upside the head. He goes, "Stop that! Stop that!" And he grabs the one figure out of my hand, and the arm kind of snaps because it was a it was like a mold, <laughs> and 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 he goes, "Give me these! Give me! Stop playing with these toys! They're just doing that to distract you so that you take a lesser deal." Did I mention that Jake Bloom was George Lucas's attorney? Yes. George Lucas had hired Jake Bloom after his Star Wars success, helping him uh, further all of the licensing. We know that, that that George built his empire on licensing. So Jake says, we're not doing your deal. We're not doing your deal till you give Rob more. We know how valuable this is. We know how valuable the toy licenses are. You're not. You're only giving him a pittance. Come back when you're serious. And I'm like, no. Inside, I'm trying to like, but I think they saw in my eyes. I'm like, no. Give me back those toys. I want those toys. So I'd been around the block with, with toys. And Mattel was like mortified. And later the licensing guy called and chewed me out. How dare you, you know, uh, expose us to that attorney of yours. I'm like, yeah, he's a Hollywood attorney. He, you know, you guys, he's, he's doing that to make the deal better. And even said after they left, he goes, you got to watch yourself. I saw what happened to you when they handed you those toys. Hey, I was a perfect mark. You know, give an artist sculpts of his toys. And, and you're one over, right? Okay. So um, that's what happened to me. And Mattel, though, did not take that for a no. They literally regrouped and were putting together an even better deal to woo me and to get me to sign on the dotted line and do Youngblood and much more at Extreme. And my attorney, in all of his yelling, I mean, his arms were flailing. He stood up. He's like, you get out of here. I mean, he was it was hostile. It was very hostile. It was it was a certain style of negotiation. Uh, I I don't have the stomach for it. I wasn't really prepared for it. It happened. It was funny. 
Um, it didn't kill the deal. The deal only actually got better from that. So what do you, what do you know? But why am I telling you this? Because I had had my background. Now I've been exposed to Mattel. I've been behind the silver doors. I've been in the. I've signed my life away. I've gone into the, uh, you know, into the belly of the beast. I've, I've seen the, the the machine work. Uh, they're they're offering me these big deals. They want to be the the people that take these uh, toys and, and and get into the boys market and become more competitive. Because again, Toy Biz is is coming on strong with all our Marvel stuff. So you got Turtles, Toy Biz. It's a heart, you know, Hasbro. They're, they're, I mean, uh, Hasbro's got GI Joe. Um, you know, the, the, the bread and butter of Mattel is Barbie, but they definitely wanted a piece of that giant boys market. So, um, we are, we are a couple of years into image comics. We're all doing our comics. Todd is doing spawn. He's starting to hand spawn off to guys like Greg Capullo, guys like Grant Morrison. He's no longer really doing the book regularly. He kind of the first year, right? Penciled and inked. Had those cool writers come in, Alan Moore, uh, Neil Gaiman, Neil, Neil Gaiman, Frank Miller. Everybody took a shot. Dave Sim, you know, Todd was definitely marketing and and uh, and moving up, uh, you know, the 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 chain in, in in regards to how relevant Spawn had become in the culture. Well, he was having all these meetings too. The Hasbro's, the Mattels, they were trying to woo him. Of course, Spawn's big deal, just like Youngblood, just like the early image books were 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 great. And, and, and in the words of Adi, uh, of, <laughs> of, of uh, Mr. Arad, um, very toyetic. We had very toyetic properties. Well, Todd is just going about his business, really not making any waves, doing his comic. Again, he's, he's kind of maybe doing less of his comic. Now he's, he's handed it off to other people to, to push it through the pipeline. And uh, as I've told you many times, we would regularly have, especially back then, we, the six of us, the seven of us, we, we would get together. And uh, and and talk about images future. Go over distribution possibilities. Go over you know printing. You know buying in bulk. Well, one time we decided to buy all our paper in bulk. Do you know that I still have five thousand sheets of Bristol board because I bought a ten thousand. I put a ten thousand uh, sheet order, and I have. I will never draw on all of these boards. I have them. And and I I have boxes and boxes. I have had my own Bristol board. Not, I, I mean I, I've I've been reaching into all these boxes in my storage unit or in my garage where I transfer them to, uh, and I have been drawing on this board for the last 25 years, all as a result of an Image Comics meeting where we all decided, well, how much paper do you need? How much paper do you need? How much paper? It's got blue lines on it. It says you know Image Comics at the top. We all paid for our allotment. That's the kind of stuff that we would do at these meetings. We would go, hey, there's a great idea. We can get it for pennies on the dollar if we all buy in bulk, which, of course, we did. So uh, so, so that's the kind of stuff that we would get together. We would figure out. We would talk about our creative you know, uh, visions, what each family of title was doing. Was there ways to cross-promote? I, I, I've already told you Image X came out of one of these meetings. Um, it, they were always really fun we we goofed off more than we got things done. I would I, we would always kind of get all the business done in the last hour and goof off for the first two two hours. Well, let me set the table for you. It is in Anaheim. It is in my Extreme Studios that we are meeting. I have the big big giant meeting room in my office. I, I converted my own office into a meeting room. So Mark Silvestri arrives, myself, Jim Lee, Todd, Eric Larson, Jim Valentino, and Larry Martyr. For for Todd and Eric, it meant flying in from. Uh, you know, uh, Washington and from Arizona at this point. And for Jim, he lived in Orange County with me. 
for Jim Lee, San Diego, Mark Silvestri, L.A., uh, Larry Martyr was now relocated and working uh, at, at Image Comics on a daily basis. So we got together, and we're talking about the future, and Todd stands up, and he uh, says, Hey, uh, got, got, got something I want to share with the buds. Got something I've been working on and want to share with the buds. And uh, I was like, whoa, what's Todd doing? And, uh, and he's like, uh, I'm going to open this box and I want you to, to pass it around and uh, tell me what you think. And lo and behold, he opens a box and there is a spawn action figure. The spawn action figure that you saw on the racks with the first wave of the spawn toys from McFarlane Toys. There is a killer. There it is. Just like my Mattel action figures, except better. The Spawn action figure. And it's got the cool twisty cape. And it's as cool as any figure I've ever seen. When you open a box like this, like a production box, it's sitting in very comfy foam. And so it's very gentle. And he's like, yeah, pass that around, guys. <clears throat> and then he goes, uh, yep, uh, I'm in the toy business. Old Toddy is making the toys. And we're like, what? What do you mean? He's like, Todd Toys. Todd Toys is launching in the fall. And uh, first wave, I got Spawn. I got the Clown. I got the, the Tremor. I don't know who else was a part of it. Um. Oh, I, I, he's like, uh, I want to do Overt Kill. Remember that character we did with Stan Lee on the Stable video? Now, here's the deal. I am thrilled by this. This is exciting. Not only is Todd making toys, he did it without any of us knowing it because he did it completely and totally 100% on the sly so as to not alert any of us to compete with him. Now, to, to tell you anything else would be dishonest. That is 100% why. Not just other toy companies because we were all, we all, maybe if we got that word, we'd be like, oh man, I'm going to jump. I'm going to get Youngblood toys going. I'm going to get Wildcats toys going. I'm thrilled. The last thing I need to do is, is do a toy company, okay? I would eventually dip my toys in a, in a limited basis on producing toys based on my characters. It was fun, but it was nothing more than like a, a, a little dip in the toe, not a full full line of action figures that was going to be carried worldwide. I mean, Todd bit off a ton. Now, how did he do it? Do you remember the videos? I've mentioned them very often. The Comic Book Greats by Staber Home Video. Paul Staber. I even mentioned him in recent podcasts. Paul was a really great, generous guy. He had multiple companies, worked out of Pittsburgh, worked out of Michigan. Um, and he would tell us, oh, I have a painting company. I go, oh, cool. What do you paint? He goes, bridges, stadiums, entire, you know, skyscrapers. So that's not the kind of, like, my buddy had a had a painting company where he'd paint your house. This is, he's like, oh, we paint bridges in Pittsburgh, in Detroit. And you're like, wow. So he was a connected guy. He was a businessman. He was a businessman in every sense of the word. And he liked comics. And I think, well, I know he and Todd talked over. And Todd, smart, very smart, very uh, brilliantly decided, why would I give Spawn away to somebody else to make as a toy where I get a royalty when I can uh, make Spawn toys myself and keep the whole nut and control distribution and control the product from beginning to end? And, and, and if it hits... He capitalizes in the in the biggest possible way. Now you remember, there is an entire uh, in, uh, episode in my podcast that talks about um, Todd's foray, his attempted foray into sports cards, which he tried to do with the front row. Remember, why sit in the upper deck 
and you can sit in the front row. Okay? The big toddy, he was always trying to go a step beyond comics, do something that was above and beyond comics. Now, what were we talking at the beginning? Toys R Us, Jimco, Treasury. Uh, you know, you, you had um, so many different toy outlets that were even more so uh, than comic books. Certainly, toys had a wider distribution network. You could get toys carried in, I mean, the CVS, in the drugstore, as well as the toy store. And, and, and there had been so many different toy stores, toy op, toy operations, dedicated toy operations that had launched in the, in the 80s. Again, because of, of, of the, the Turtles and Toy Biz and He-Man and G.I. Joe and Transformers, toys were a big deal. So Todd had done all of this. He had met with Staber. Staber had put him together with a crew of designers, sculptors, manufacturers, and then, of course, a contact overseas in China with which to do the entire manufacturing, packaging, and shipping of the toys. Todd had done his homework. He had run the costs, and he was taking a huge gamble on himself. Now, I would love to tell you that everyone had a similar reaction to this, but I do remember distinctly, and, and again, Todd very coyly, very wisely, had kept this all to himself so as to circumvent any of us trying to compete with him on any level because, again, we all had um, no shortage of funds available to us at that time. Our books were selling in the millions. Uh, I had a studio with 60 employees, and we were putting out 20 books a month at this point. And Todd was doing Spawn and maybe a couple others, so he had decided, I'm not going to invest in the creative you know, aspect of... of, of of making characters, I'm going to I'm going to invest in the manufacturing and the production of toys based on my Spawn character and the in the world that he occupies. So Todd took a different gamble. He gambled on himself. It was exciting. It was exciting to watch. But there were guys. I distinctly remember Jim Lee looking like he was going to throw up, like he was sick to his stomach, like somebody had beaten him to uh, to to a goal that 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 like he had never even considered. And, and I'm telling you, J Jim was mostly silent. And when Jim's silent, he's, he's running his diagnostics in his brain and he's running the evaluations. And, and, and he's like, what, 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 where'd you come with this? It was, it was, it was met with more of a solemn studied professorial, uh, viewpoint of what Todd was doing while the rest of us are high five and going, dude, awesome. Cause Todd would always say, Todd would liberally Multiple, like, okay, I'm just going to tell you right now. When I see pictures of Todd and Jim hugging, or when Jim is getting Todd the license for the toys, personally, I always chuckle out loud. Not mockingly, it just is amusingly, because Todd used to chew up my phone going, that Jimmy, he, he's all about the money. He's all about the money and the business. And he's always trying to get ahead and make a dime and make two dimes. And I'm kind of like, well, that's kind of like you. And, and... I mean, look, the, the money mattered. It was, it was you, you want to return on your investments, right? But those two guys were super, super competitive. And I'm not going to tell you that I don't believe that Todd's assessment was Jim of Jim was wrong. Um, I, Todd even, I, I forgot, he had, he had a nickname for, for Jim and it had to do with the calculator because Jim was always computing the money end of things. And really, I'm telling you, what I remember from that day was the absolute just, there was a defeat the rest of us, I think Todd, I, I, Jim Valentino, myself, Eric Larson, and Mark were thrilled about this. And Jim seemed defeated and depressed because Todd was now leaving us behind. He was leaving us from comics and creating a new arena with which he would compete. And obviously, as we all know, very shortly, 
it would turn out that he would dominate it. When we asked Todd about why the toys were, were, looked so good, he's like, oh, it's the sculpting and the, and the articulation. And I knew from my meetings with Mattel and the toy guys, they would tell me how much per unit cost and then why they would sell them for five or six bucks, right? Back back when you could get an action figure for five or six bucks. Okay, now they're like 20 bucks or and up. But uh, as you guys all well know who, who, who are in the hobby or obsessed with toys the way I am. So Todd's like, but it comes, it comes out the extra five cents a figure gets you this instead of that. As much as I love my Toy Biz action figures, as, less, as much as I love my 100 cables, because this is, again, 94, 95, end of 94, early 95, Todd is showing us this. I've had Aqua Cable, Arctic Cable, Jungle Gear Cable, Space Cable. They had, they had made 100 cables, dozen Deadpools, Shatterstars. I mean, so, I had seen so many of my creations and designs live on Toy Store, on Toy Pegs, that... that I loved them. I thought that I thought that level of detail was fantastic. But again, the articulation was kind of low. Todd had taken up the sculpting, which is the level of detail in, in in short order. That's just the level of detail, whether it's on the face, on the muscles, on the biceps, the triceps, the stomach muscles, the abs, whatever. He had upped the ante in terms of the detail, and also upped the um the the, the, the detail in terms of color and paint. And he's like, oh, bud, extra four cents, extra five cents a figure. And it's like, uh, you know, it's like Todd told me once when, when he advised me about how to deal with the convention, um, with a convention uh, uh, promoter. He said, Rob, get, this is what I did. I, I told him I wanted X amount of this. And I said, you want to know how you pay this? Todd said, you charge him $2 more a ticket, $2 more a ticket. And I was like, wow, that like, he just boiled it down. Once you boil it that way. It seems so easy. And Todd, I think, actually was the brightest and most brilliant of all of us. But he has this, I've long kind of held, and, and Todd, I love you, love you. Uh, my memories with you are golden. I think he's kind of Andy Kaufman-esque, okay? A little bit of, if you if you found, uh, the guy who played Latka on, on Taxi was a comic comic legend, a, a, a comedic legend. Um and, and he was very much a, a, a performer and would put on different personas and, and live as those personas for different times. He was a, a he would kind of, he was always kind of putting you on and, and, and that get, that allowed him to flex his creative talents and also do a bit of performance art. And, and, and I think Todd has always kind of covered with the oh bud oh bud with this genius um, brain that, that he houses that, that helps him calculate. All, all of the uh, all of the stuff that he said that maybe somebody like a Jim Lee was obsessed with, Todd was doing it under the auspices of, yeah, you think I I'm not thinking about this or considering this, but I am. And Todd's also a sponge, like so many of us are. We we are exposed to the uh, information and the data, and then we immediately absorb it and turn it around to use it to our own creative purposes. And in this way, I mean, Todd had looked ahead and said, okay, so Mattel. And Hasbro and some of the other big co companies don't do that extra nickel. And that's, he's basically saying a nickel per figure because across the board, that represents hundreds of thousands and millions of dollars of profits, especially across the board. Whereas, you know, if you're not paying it, then think of all the savings you're getting, but you're still getting, again, it's still going to be $6.99 whether Luke Skywalker's arm goes bends in the middle and, and whether his legs bend at the knees, okay? It's still $6.99. Todd's going, I'm going to go in in that extra nickel 
that extra six cents, whatever it is, and you're going to get more articulation. You're going to get elbows, wrists, fingers, joints, and you're going to get a cool weapon and you're going to get a wicked sculpt with extra detail and extra paint details on top of that. Next level. And again, it was all justified by what's, what's, what's another five or six cents. And again, he had to do that. In order to compete, he had to stand out. It wasn't just enough to create a figure based on his comic book because Spawn had no media. They always would ask you, what media do you have supporting this? Do you have a cartoon? Do you have a movie? Um, do you have a TV show? Uh, because that, that would help them sell the toys. Todd's going, I'm going to the market without any media. I don't have a movie yet. I don't have a cartoon. But I have my, my, my comic book that sells millions and people love it. And I think that even if I get a percentage of those to come over to the toys, I'll have a great selling toy. And y'all know that when Todd Toys launched, and, and other than the figure that day in that meeting room, when he broke it to us that he was now launching a, to a toy company, he had, you know, some logos. And again, it was called Todd Toys. And to this day, I'm not really quite sure why he changed Todd Toys. I, I think maybe he got, he was threatened in a lawsuit that he couldn't use that name. And so he pivoted immediately to McFarland Toys. And, and that's what was, was the branding. Um, and, and McFarland Toys obviously launched their first line of Spawn Toys. They were fantastic. Um, for the time now, they, they look nothing uh, in regards to the, the next level of toys that he began to do because once he started doing his thing, he started refining his thing. Look, it's no secret. I did a line of Youngblood Toys with him. I loved them. I thought they were fantastic. He had the sculptors work with me. They sent me the sculpts. They're like, hey, we know you have the, slim, the slender ankles. We're trying to do a Rob Liefeld drawing come to life. We're trying to do the way you draw. Same with Wilson, his incredible anatomy that, 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 that really, uh, really came through in the best possible way on those Wetworks figures that launched at the same time as the Youngblood figures. Um, Todd, he, he really... Uh, hit the ground running and every line improved for, I want to say, almost like a 10-year stretch. There was just that that every wave was better than the last, was more articulated, more detailed. The painting was more refined. The packaging was better. And uh, I remember when the Todd, the, the, the McFarland Toys launched, he did a, uh, he did a signing at, at a toy store in Santa Monica and... The line was around the building and it was crazy anticipation. It was like the Spawn comic was launching again, except they were there for plastic. And of course, the news cameras caught it, the toy press caught it, the media caught it, and there's a new player in the toy market. And he was literally like a small-time guy. But he made a huge first impact. And what he said uh, was immediately, the stores were like, we don't have enough. He got into Walmart or Target or Toys R Us and it's like, we don't have enough. We're selling out. We gotta, we gotta up your next order. And again, you know, his next toys were already being manufactured. The the line of Spawn number two. So he was now applying those orders for number one to number two because he's like, it'll take too long to get the number ones out. So just up your order for my second wave. And he rode that heat. Those first Spawn toys were so hot they were hard to get. You would go to stores and they'd be sold out. Uh, I remember going to all the different. There was a place out here in Southern California called Toy City. Toy City was a competitor with Toys R Us for many, many years. I would go to there. I would go to Toys R Us, Spawn Toys, empty pegs. Started out with just about four pegs, two across, two, two up, two across. And Todd taught me all about the pegs. And as he expanded his line with Youngblood, with Wetworks, as I moved, worked with him closer, he gave me all this toy knowledge. And he said, Rob, I'm not going to do this in a Todd voice, so forgive me. He said, Rob, 
it's all about the pegs and the end caps. Again, when you walk by Target and you see those end caps, I don't care if it's Beanie Babies, if it's Star Wars, if it's Marvel, that was negotiated. That means Target, we're going to give you, you're going to give me the end cap and I'm going to give you an extra 50 cents on every figure that I don't give to the other guy because you're giving me the end cap. You know, same with Walmart, same with Toys R Us. These are the kind of deals you cut. So if you ever think that those end caps are there accidentally, they are absolutely 100% not there accidentally. Every placement of every product in the store, whether it's clothing, towels, electronics, and toys, you know, has been negotiated ahead of time and it comes at a price. You get, you pay a little more money to the store, which makes sense to get the primo eye-catching placement on the shelf. And as we're in, in regards to uh, what was going on with Todd and his um, toys, now, now now he's answering this one super mega hotline with a second line, which includes the Spawn secondary line, which then includes a Youngblood line, which includes a Wetworks line. So Todd's now gone from six action figures to, to 18 action figures she's bringing you in the next line. And that was just the beginning because as you know, there was no looking back. Now, Todd had told all of us at the end of that deal, I want you guys to give me your license. I'll, I'll, I'll top any deal that you get. I want to be the guy doing your deals. Well, um, Savage Dragon was a cartoon that you guys, I think it was on, was on, I, I forget where the Savage cartoon, USA, was it the USA Network, I think on Saturday mornings. And then I uh, had turned down doing a CBS cartoon uh, on, on Saturday morning on CBS because the lady who headed the division I was financing my own animation company. I had done two minutes worth of animation with some of the best animators at Warner Brothers. They were looking to jump ship. They wanted to do their own version of Image Comics. These are the guys that gave you Batman the Animated Series. They had done two minutes of Youngblood animation for me. It, they were going to call themselves Roustabout Studios, but I had landed a deal with CBS. Now, I didn't go through with it because I knew I was going to get canceled in six episodes being on CBS. Power Rangers and X-Men were the one-two punch that you just had to absolutely contend with on Saturday mornings. And I wanted it to put an, a live-action wraparound uh, with Bad Rock because I had a giant animatronic, animatronic Bad Rock that the guy who had done dinosaurs for, for Steven Spielberg had created for, for me. And I, we shot a test and we... I said, I want to have the live action component in that a live action Bad Rock will host the Youngblood cartoon on the beginning and the end. And this woman, her name was Judy Price. She was so old back then, like gray hair grandma. Like, But she had dined out and put CBS prior to the revolution of Fox Saturday mornings. CBS had ruled the roost with um, Pee Wee Herman. The Pee Wee's Playhouse had won all the, all the awards. They were all on her shelf. And they had won all the ratings. But I'm sitting with her in 1994 and I'm like, but that's moved on. I mean, Pee Wee got, got caught playing with his pud in, 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 a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an X-rated theater. And like, like was embarrassed. And the Pee Wee Herman persona had to be retired. And, and, and Paul Rubens had, had some, you know, some problems after that. Because now what do you do when your most famous alter ego is, is put out to pasture? Because you were caught playing with your pud in, in the dirty movie house, Okay. And that was all over the news, all over the news. And look, I love Pee Wee Herman. I, I would do the meanest Pee Wee Herman um, impersonation. I saw that movie a thousand times when it came out. I was the, the biggest proponent for Pee Wee Herman. But the time for Pee Wee was gone. And Judy Price was not um, effectively trying. She was she was getting into the boys' action game because she had to, not because it was her passion, not because she dug it. And, 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 and she was very resistant to my ideas. And I'm sitting here going, I'm financing this. 
And I don't care if you're going to give me an order. I want this to succeed. And we're going to go up against terrible competition. And when I walked out, she met me at the door and she kind of closed the door on me. She goes, if you walk out of here, no one's ever going to give you a cartoon deal. And then she said, she put her finger up to me and she goes, and if you walk out of here, I'm going to give your buddy Jim Lee the slot instead of you. I said, do it. Go ahead. And we all know how that worked out. I, I'm, I'm telling you, I told Jim, because Jim called me and said, hey, I guess, uh, I guess CBS is through with you and they're moving forward with me. I'm like, Jim, you're going to get canceled. Nobody watches CBS. It's an old, it's an old people's network and nobody's watching. Fox is where all the eyeballs are out. Jim was in my office one day waiting for the ratings to come through on his third episode. And he said, if we weren't like, if we didn't go from like fourth place to third place, we're getting canceled. And right there and then he and John Nee got the fact, they, they gave the fax number at extreme and the ratings came over and it was like, no big deal. Like, like you're just, I walked away and shut it down because I wasn't going to be able to compete. Jim, though, having that announcement, was able to turn Wildcats into a deal with Playmates, who also did Turtles. So he told Todd, "I'm I'm I'm signed, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm doing my uh, I'm doing my deal with Playmates." And and Eric's like, "I'm doing Playmates too." And Todd goes, who, "Points to me. Who are you doing your toys with? Who who's doing Youngblood?" And I said, "Mattel. Mattel is doing Youngblood." And he's like, "Bud, you you gotta." Give me the chance to top that offer. And uh, and and then he was talking to Mark. And Mark was like, I'm not going to do toys right now. I'm going to wait it out. And then Valentino, of course, did a deal with him too to do Shadowhawk. Well, Todd and I went around and I literally uh, had a deal for uh, a million bucks to do Youngblood action figures from uh, Mattel. And I gave that to Todd. And we worked out a deal that was commensurate to the Mattel deal. And with payment up front, and then payment on the back end, and then payment on a second line, and it was great. I loved those Youngblood toys. I was so excited when they came out. I, I drove around uh, trying to find them myself because all the McFarlane toys were just super mega hot. And and you know, Todd was breaking into the Targets and the WalMarts, the toy, the dedicated toy stores were the ones that were most supportive because they needed new toy product, and he was able to facilitate with this new hotline of toys and he, and that's when he taught me the end caps and bud i'm, I'm gonna get three peg, pegs across and three down and he's like i'm gonna have nine feet of retail all dedicated to mcfarlane toys and dude he did it he did it never look back and let me tell you something those wetworks toys those young bud toys those spawn line the first line one two three whatever they were fantastic and he got more and more creative. I was in New York uh, for Toy Fair and did Toy Fair with Todd. And it was so fun. And it was so fun experiencing uh, the showroom and, 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 and learning the toy business and having the buyers from Target come in and the buyers from Toys R Us come in and the buyers from Walmart come in and the buyers from Toy City come in. And, and, and Todd would do his presentation and try and get them to order as many as possible so that, that, that he could put as many toys out and control as many pegs. And I'm going to tell you, man, towards the end of the 90s, Todd had just, uh, he dominated. He dominated the toy business all because he decided to invest uh, not only in himself, but put an extra four or five cents per figure towards making those, those, those figures look even better. And it was in short order um, that, uh, you know, that, that the other toy companies caught on. And you could see Suddenly, I remember when the Star Wars in 96, 97, the Star Wars, um, the Force, uh, what was it called? Something of the Force. And they, I mean, they look like 
the, the, the action figures, no, that was in the later 90s, early 2000s. It looked like they were using gods that were, guys that work for Todd. And trust me, Todd's sculptors became superstars because, because Todd got these guys who were able to strut their stuff. And instead of doing that basic, just three inch Luke Skywalker face, arms, maybe jumpsuit, put a little lightsaber, Todd was doing cool poses. He was, uh, you know, he was doing, uh, he was doing different, different, different styles, you know, a Rob Liefeld style, a Wills Portacio style. I mean, he was really uh, expanding what you would come to expect from the run of the mill. This GI Joe go- guy looks like this Star Wars guy. This this Cobra figure looks like this Stormtrooper. Um, I mean, he really took over the market, dominated it with creative creativity from sculpting to articulation to painting to styles. And 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 here's the deal. Here's what I'm telling you. Um, you know, because Jim had the media behind him. That's why he did that Playmates deal and was already locked in and there was no way for him to do the McFarland deal. Um, again, we each did deals based on bumps that would come if media came our way. And, he, and you have to understand, of course, Todd was building towards the fact that he would get a movie in production shortly thereafter and then be able to manufacture all the toys for that movie and move them at the highest possible level. And that would have all been terrific um, Spawn was not the hit that Todd had been hoping for. It had one decent weekend where it ranked number two, and then it immediately fell. I think it fell uh, to four at second weekend, and, and the Spawn movie didn't hang around a long time and didn't you know move the kind of toys I think that he was hoping to do. But the Spawn cartoon that he got on HBO was a great commercial for all of those Spawn toys. And I mean, the, the, the toys were getting bigger. He was moving into standalone statues. But I'm going to tell you where I was like, whoa, this is awesome is when Todd got into the sports toys. That's a huge business. MLB license, the hockey license, all the licenses that evaded him when he tried to get into the trading card business were now available to him. And I am telling you, I had not spoken to Todd in probably three or four years. I kind of went into semi-retirement in 2000, um, was, was, was now attending you know, Comic-Con in disguise as, as a fan. I've covered that in other podcasts, you know, just completely attended one entire Comic-Con in 2001 where absolutely no one knew me, knew, uh, did, did not interact with me as Rob. I was just another fan. I stood in front of people like Eric Larson who did not know who I was. I stood in front of my buddy Jimmy J. He did not know who I was. His mom, his family. It was awesome. It was, it was a great way to move around as a chameleon. But I, the point being is I wasn't really making comics for a few years. I had gone into semi-retirement. We were starting a family. My wife was popping out babies. But I had not had any business with Todd and done, had any reason to speak with Todd. But what I had started to do was buy his NBA figures and, and get my Kobe Bryant and my Shaq and my Vince Carter and my Allen Iverson and all of the cool NBA figures that Todd was, 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 was making. And it just so happens that at the Marriott... Uh, down in San Diego next to the convention center, I think it was 2003, uh, maybe maybe it was 2001, uh, 2002, it's, it's one of those years. I have now got, I have been, I have literally been all over looking for the latest line of NBA figures and I love them and I admire them, my Kobe figures. I have every single one of them. I got them like the, the, the week that they were released, come, come hook or by crook, I, I got my hands on those, put them on the cool stands. Wanda, Tom McFarlane's wife and he were having breakfast, two tables for me. And Wanda had come by and said, hey, why don't you come over and say hi? And and Dodd will tell you, I think I sat down and was like, 
Thank you so much for making these kick-ass NBA action figures. Oh my gosh, I can't believe how great the Kobe figure is. Oh my gosh, what's it like? Do you get to meet these guys? Da, 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 da. I went into a complete uh, diatribe of just blather because I loved those toys. And I recognized that it is my buddy Todd McFarlane who had radically altered the toy industry. He There's a phrase called move the needle. Do you move the needle? When you get in a comic book, did the sales go up? Do your cover sell? It's all part of moving the needle. Todd McFarlane profoundly, profoundly moved the the metal, the, the needle. He moved the needle in comic in, in, in toys. I'm so excited. He profoundly moved the needle in toys that he deserves a medal. I do not know how there has been not some commemorative award handed to Todd because I'm telling you, Hasbro, Mattel, Playmates, Everybody, your Star Wars figures, your G.I. Joe figures, the figures that I see right now that Hasbro is doing are a result of what Todd started with McFarlane Toys and his dedication to giving you a better refined action figures. If you go back in time, those Todd toys stood head and toe, tail, head, head and shoulder above anything that was competing with it because he put that extra attention. I've said it a million times during this podcast. I'm going to say it again. Extra detail, extra paint, extra articulation makes all the, the the difference in the world. It goes from where your figure is standing just straight up. When I started to do Snake Eyes Dead Game, I went out and got some of the older G.I. Joe figures that I no longer had. And I got the uh, the, the second, uh, the most expensive one I bought was the second edition of, of Snake Eyes. And again, it's nice to have, but it's a completely unimpressive figure. It's it's all, you know, just black. It's got goggles and his arms move forward and he's, he's not impressive. It's not an impressive figure. It's very tiny. Um, Todd... The six-inch action figure, man. I mean, he he went to a different place, and he and 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 he put the toy industry on notice that there's a new sheriff in town. I've got a new style of 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 figure that I'm going to give you. It's more refined. I'm going to go in. I'm going to pay the you know if it was six cents, if it was seven cents, whatever it was, it was worth it because Todd made a product without media at the time that that drove people absolutely insane. You have to understand McFarlane toys. And, and early on, he even did television commercials. Um, my Dan Frager from extreme even wraps in one, uh, one of those commercials. I'm not sure if there was one from young blood for young blood, but there was definitely commercials for spawn. And, uh, and he did uh, probably in, in, in certain markets. And again, he told me I have to part of my deal with these toy companies, with these, with these toy carriers, the, the, the toys are us. The, 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 when I say toy companies, I'm talking about toy city toys are us. Part of my deal in carrying these is they said I have to have television commercials on the air. And, and I think maybe he just had to buy them regionally. They didn't have to be nationally, but enough to know like that the target in Arizona is going to benefit off the fact that you bought a toy com- a toy commercial telling people to buy this toy. So then, then that would drive them to our store. And I mean, like I said, whether it was commercials, the action figures, all he went all in. He had great partners like Paul Staber who helped him construct. I think like uh, it was like Paul came in in the early days, year one, year two, and I think he was out immediately. Todd, they, they had a limited partnership. Then Todd took over. And, uh, and and we've been living in the world of McFarlane Toys ever since. Todd deserves the highest accolades. Uh, uh, he, he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame of Toys. He deserves a one of those you know gold medals put around his neck because he absolutely made everyone else move. Everyone else had to then go in and remove part of their profits by investing that extra five cents per figure. And again, when I when I'm when we're talking hundreds of thousands of action figures, you're talking you know that nickel that that nickel adds up. But it was worth it because we got better product as a result. 
and we're still getting that great product today. Like I said, I laugh when I see Jim and Todd, two ruthless competitors who would um, compete against each other. Uh, to, to, to top off that meeting room story, Jim Lee would uh, would would announce shortly after that he was starting a trading card company. I think it's like, well, I can't not have a company. And and certainly trading cards is a much cheaper, affordable, um, much more manageable business to get in. I mean, again, to follow the creation of the Youngblood toys at the sculpt stage, dealing with the sculptors, dealing with the painters, then Todd taking over, you get the tooling. The tooling is when they decide, is the elbow going to move? Is the wrist going to move? Are the fingers going to move? That's part of the tooling process. So then, because when you get an action figure, and again, I made a few on my own, uh, called it Awesome Toys. We did a couple of action figures and, and they didn't have the same level of articulation. They They were sculpted they looked like great statues, but they didn't have that extra level of articulation because the company that I had pacted with didn't do that. And and again, I was doing it on a limited basis. Super proud of the sculpts, but that articulation was in no way near the what what Todd was giving you, what what somebody like a Hasbro was giving you now, what some of these the, these Japanese companies do with I mean like 30, 40 points of articulation on these completely collapsible figures. That is next level stuff. Um but 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 that that is that is hard to manage. That is, that is, you are tracking, like, I don't know how many, maybe Todd could say it's 17 steps to make an action figure. A trading card is draw the card, uh, design the card, send it to the printer, uh, put them in the packages, ship them back, get them to stores. It's much more manageable. Jim announced Wildstorm uh, cards, and, and look, I did deals with them too. They did a profit line, they did an event line. I was doing deals with all my partners. They were all trying to get into these other businesses. It was exciting. But I will never forget when Todd opened that box, showed us that spawn figure, and all of our mouths hit the floor. It was exciting. It was like, wow, Todd was taking this initiative. He was taking it to the next level. And I am deadly serious when I tell you I absolutely 100% believe that they should honor Todd with some Lifetime Achievement Award in the, in, in the world of action figures and toys because that guy's a visionary, man. He had a plan. He executed it. It's 20-some years later. This last year, he did a Kickstarter. How many millions of dollars did that raise? How many millions of dollars did that raise for a, a custom uh, Kickstarter, Kickstarter action figure? That was exciting. It was exciting to watch. I'm always rooting for my uh, fellow creators that they, uh, that they I, I'm the kind of guy who I, I look at what my fellow creator does and I see the possibilities in it. The, it there's, no, there's no envy. There's, wow, you mean that's available? That's possible? And they're pioneers. Todd's a pioneer. He's a, more than comic books because I love Todd's work. I love Todd's work in comic books, but he did not impact the comics world, in my opinion, in the same way that he impacted the toy world. And I think comic book board, comic books bored him. He quickly exited comic books and focused so much of what he does on toys to the point where, like I said, he's doing NBA toys. And he would tell me, oh, now we're getting to the point where we're scanning the players. The scans, the, you know, the the the, the optical scan that then goes into the computer, it spits it out, and now you've got a, a better um a better scan with which to sculpt. Uh, and you'd get these incredible Tim Duncan figures. I, my, my, you know, I, I got a LeBron James figure from Todd uh, just four months ago. I hunted it down. I had to have it. It's the 2K. It ties in with the game. Um, I'm still buying Todd action figures. Truth be told, most of the stuff that I bought from him in recent years is the sports stuff. I know that in the late 90s, he was chasing licenses because he thought that's where the game had changed. I need licenses. And when he saw those X-Files toys, here's the deal. When he was getting some of those those like X-Files, if Hasbro or Mattel wanted that license, they had the means with which to outbid him. But whether it was X-Files or some of these lesser licenses that Todd got, 
It's because they had deemed that it wasn't worth their while doing it because it didn't, a lot of the times these guys would say, our first wave, our first wave of your figure has to sell 500,000 units. We have to hit a threshold. Um, and, and, you know, that's when they would bring these other licenses in. And if you didn't, if they didn't in their, their accounting and their projection minds and their data didn't compute that they would move 500,000 units of something, they would, uh, they would withdraw or they didn't think that the units that they could sell could justify the license that 20th Century Fox or whomever was charging for that license. So towards the end, I, I remember the only time I thought Todd's stuff went off the rails was the dude had the license to Shrek. Okay, Here, here's where we'll end, end this weird thing today. And everything I've said about Todd is, is right on the point, but this is weird. I saw the Shrek toys. The Shrek movie came out. It shocked everybody. It was the hit of that summer. And, uh, and Shrek, if you remember, was very bright and pastel and colorful. Uh, my, my son, so we would put the DVD in and he'd go, again, again, again. All he ever wanted to do was watch Shrek and Donkey. And I mean, that movie, uh, it may be the movie I've seen the most behind Star Wars. I, I, it could even out-edge it because it became so favored by our kids. But Todd had the first year license of Shrek and then it was taken from him because it never performed so bad. Because I don't know if you remember seeing the Shrek toys. Again, now now you're in, you're six six years into business, six seven years with Todd and, and McFarland Toys. The Shrek was a big misfire. Uh, whatever he did to win that license, whoever didn't want that license, they immediately got it back. Because I was actually doing a deal with DreamWorks at the time, and they were like, "Yeah, those McFarland toys. They were they were brown and gray in the packaging, not bright and 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 fun. Because something like that, you're selling to kids. Shrek was moved, and and it was and, and the performance of Shrek was based." on parents taking their kids again and again and again. And the and the and, and if you look back at the first line of Shrek toys, it they're brown and gray and they look like it's like we're gonna go medieval here and do 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 like dungeon uh style marketing and 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 it, it was just it was just a weird misfire. It didn't match up. And and of course then the Shrek license went somewhere else and went off to make you know a gazillion dollars because now the, the, the formula was proven, but Todd didn't know what he had in his hands at the time. He didn't know that Shrek was going to be this giant over the top. Um, the, the action figures look great, but the packaging was brown and gray and it was weird. It didn't, it didn't fit. And, and, and I saw them on clearance at Tower Records by the pile. And, and I think, you know, what was much safer for Todd was the sports stuff and that sports stuff. And, and Todd would say in interviews at the time, he goes, people just want statues to put at their, on their workplaces, in their, at their cubicles. And while they're, navigating their computer all day and doing their data work. They want to look up and see that cool little mini statue. That's what Todd gave you. And the sports just stuff was the opposite of the Shrek. The NBA, I mean, how many NBA toys has Todd made? I mean, how many have I collected? Holy crap. I mean, how many Kobe's and LeBron's do I have and Shaq's and Tim Duncan's and Iverson and, you know, Carmelo, Dwayne Wade. So anyway, Todd dominated toys. He changed toys. He changed them for the better. To me, that is his biggest um, impact on pop culture, even more so than the amazing art uh, that he has done in comics. Um, so, so I love toys. You love toys. I could talk for about toys for hours, and and it looks like we already did that. We just wrapped it up. That was a, a wonderful revisit of the amazing impact of Todd, his toys, uh, three pegs, six pegs at his peak. That dude had almost an entire aisle. He had achieved like I'm gonna take all the pegs. All the pegs. I got three pegs. I got six. I got nine. I got ten. The dude dominated. Hats off to you, Todd. Your your McFarland toys. Your early on Todd toys. 
took the world by storm, took pop culture by storm. I, I want to know when you get that Lifetime Achievement Awards in the toy business. You deserve it. You deserve to be honored for the vision that you brought to that business and the way you made action figures everywhere better. I am looking at a shelf of Cable and Deadpool and Shatterstar and all my creations and wonderful uh, toys from Sideshow, from Hot Toys, from, from Toy Biz, from... Uh, I mean, just every possible awesome manufacturer. And when I look at the detail and I look at how great they are, my first thought is of Todd McFarlane and the quality and the new benchmark that he raised for this business. McFarlane Toys, awesome. If you don't have them, check them out, get them. He's got the DC license. His buddy Jim Lee got it for him. It's awesome. You guys, always great hanging with you. I am on Instagram at Rob Liefeld. I am on Twitter at Robert Liefeld. Blue checks on both those names because I'm the real guy. So you know that you're talking to the real guy. I'm on Facebook. I'm all over social media. Please drop by. Please say hi. Thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I have such a good time sharing this history with you. We are going to talk about toys again soon enough, but this was like the tip of the iceberg. We had to, we had to, to get to get in there and get down and, and, and relive the early McFarland days. You guys, uh, the Deadpool five-part making of Deadpool is coming up first week of January. You don't want to miss it. Uh, tell your friends, subscribe. Thank you for listening. You're going to take care of yourself for your for me. Please take care of yourselves. Stay safe, and we will talk again real soon.